Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Colleagues from West Virginia, we have Mari Richards on the phone. Mari is a retired Chicago Police Department lieutenant. He's also a former police chief from Martinsburg, West Virginia. Mari, thanks so much for being guest on the Law Enforcement Show. Very much appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Jay. Thanks for this opportunity. Appreciate it. It's good to have you on. And I'll be honest with you, I think you're our first guest from West Virginia. And it's a state that, even though I police in Baltimore, about the only place I ever went to in West Virginia was Harper's Ferry. And okay. while it's a great spot, it, it doesn't represent the whole state. And it's a very d- diverse state. Uh, I've had several guests on from Chicago area, Chicago PD. Uh, so we look forward to discussing some of your experience. You just retired not that long ago, correct? I did. I uh, became chief in 2015 and just stepped down uh, this June. Well, congratulations on your retirement from Chicago PD, and also uh, for, is it retired from the uh, police chief position, or you just said, that's it, I've had enough? Well, I, I, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, a sudden decision. I thought about it for a while, but, you know, five years is a pretty good run after, you know, 24 in Chicago. And, uh, you know, here in Martinsburg, you know, I came with, you know, a number of goals, a certain vision. I, I think we accomplished, you know, all of that, and... You know, I felt my job was done and it was time to move on. Well, thank you for your service. And thank you for being wise enough to say, I think my job's done. It's time for me to move on. Because all too often, it seems like the higher up in departments that people go, A, the more forgetful they become and the less willing they are to leave. <laughs> well, I, I certainly appreciate the more forgetful they become. Because <laughs> uh, I've been working on that. But, uh, uh you know, it, it was just a fantastic opportunity uh, coming to Martinsburg. And, you know, you talked about the diversity of West Virginia. Martinsburg is very far east. You know, we're only maybe 85, 90 miles from Baltimore, D.C. It's called the Eastern Panhandle. So it's not what people typically, I think, would uh, think of when I think about West Virginia. You know, it's not coal country and things like that. So it's very diverse, cosmopolitan. It's got a lot of 
a lot of challenges. And, you know, one of the things that um, a lot of people have asked me is like, wow, you know, how'd you make that transition from Chicago? And, uh, of course, in Chicago, and I worked in, you know, busy districts my whole career. Yeah, there was a huge difference. I mean, obviously, you know, the gangs, the violence, you know, was off the charts. And, you know, thank God that's not here, particularly organized gangs. But I'll tell you one thing, Jay, which, you know, just shocked me when I got here was the depth uh, of the opioid epidemic. I'd never seen anything like that in Chicago. The opioid epidemic is massive. It's widespread. And I'll be honest with you, Maury, we were dealing with heroin addicts in the 1980s in, in Baltimore. Baltimore is now known as like uh, the, the heroin capital of the United States. And, and yeah. you had old junkies, you had young junkies, and the really old ones, they used to have what we call boxing glove hands. Their hands were always swollen and bad veins and everything else. And people may find this hard to believe. We dealt with them so often uh, and so frequently that it became a friendly type relationship. But I'll be honest with you, I've never thought that we would get to the point we are today with the opioid problem in the United States. Never crossed my mind. Yeah, it, it it was something I wasn't ready for. You know, you read about these things, of course, but then, you know, you get here and, uh, you know, the proximity to Baltimore, you know, is a problem. I and, mean, you know, Baltimore is a big, you know, heroin hub for distribution. Uh, a lot more has come out of Philly now, too. But the thing that, you know, gets you, maybe, you know, drugs in general, but uh, it seems... And maybe I'm wrong, you know, I think you've seen it as well with heroin. I mean, it's it's like a generational thing. And, uh, you know, you just see generations of, you know, heroin addicts. Um, then, of course, in West Virginia, it wasn't just the heroin, but it's the uh, the pain kills or pain pills, excuse me, uh, which was, you know, off the charts. And then, of course, you know, the fentanyl comes in. Yeah, but it, it's a deep problem. It still persists. You know, I think it's kind of been covered up, you know, by this, uh, you know, Wuhan COVID uh, pandemic hysteria. But it's it's very deep and, it, you know, it tears apart families. It tears apart society. It does. It's devastating communities as well. And by the way, I, I remember watching, I'm, I'm not old enough to remember, but I remember watching how the heroin problem was a big issue in the 1960s and then in the early 70s. But it was primarily confined to inner city America and and minority communities. And then in the 80s, it was cocaine and then crack cocaine. And then we had PCP and we had all, speed was always an issue. LSD and acid was always an issue. And, And then heroin, and that seemed to come after the pill epidemic. Uh, so many people got addicted to opiates, heavy-duty opiates, as a result of recreational means and also surgical and other things. And when there was a crackdown on that, they all resorted to, to heroin. And now it seems like that thing's just totally out of control. It, it is, and you know, as I said, with this uh, this COVID thing, a lot of this gone is gone under the radar. But you know, I guarantee you. Uh, you know, overdoses and things like that are they've probably increased because, you know, people are a little more underground. But, you know, it's a thing. And in, in, in Martinsburg, you know, you know, we looked at that and, you know, we did, you know, we came up with our own strategy, you know, that, hey, we're going to fight this thing. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, you know, total rocket science, but you have to fight, you know, drugs on three levels. I mean, one, 
know, Jay here copper from a, for a you know a long time, and uh, you know drug dealers got to go to jail. I mean, enforcement has to be absolutely critical. You know, if you sell the poison, you got to get locked up, and uh, that was number one. And then, of course, you know, and this has evolved over time, is that you know addiction <laughs> when these people are hooked on this stuff, it is a disease, and mm-hmm. you have to have you know effective you know treatment. Uh, rehabilitation for people who need it and want it. You have to want it. Um, but to me, the third, maybe long-term, most important component is prevention. And, you know, because if you don't reach children, if you don't reach families, um, there's no way you're going to interdict, you know, any kind of uh, future change in behavior. So, uh, you know, we, we put together some programs in Martinsburg that I believe have been very effective and and should be a, a model, you know, working with kids in schools and, you know, but at the same time, you know, knocking down the dealers. Uh, we uh, put together a great, um, it's called a drug house ordinance, you know, going after landlords that, you know, permit this type of stuff going on. We're going to take a short break. This is the Law Enforcement Show. We're talking with Maury Richards. Maury is retired Chicago police lieutenant and also former Martinsburg, West Virginia police chief. Ever find yourself in a situation where you can't listen to the whole Law Enforcement Today show? Never fear. Past episodes are available online as a podcast, and you can listen for free. That's right. The Law Enforcement Today podcast is free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast, or simply go to letradioshow.com and click the Be Heard tab. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the questions I get all the time is how can I show my support for law enforcement? Well, we're all busy. You probably can't go to a protest march. You probably can't go pick it somewhere. But there's something very simple you can do with Facebook. When you see a post that you agree with, that you like, share it to your page. It's just that simple. Think of it this way. Facebook has about 2 billion registered users worldwide. So you can make a difference. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement, our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. And when you see posts that you like, you agree with, especially episodes of the radio show and podcast, be sure to share it on your social media. Again, do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Be sure to click like and follow. And then show your support by sharing. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today radio show on Facebook. Back to our conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show with Maury Richards. Maury is retired Chicago Police Department lieutenant, also former chief police of Martinsburg, West Virginia. We were talking before the break, Maury, about going head-on in handling the drug problem in your community. And you talked about several things, one of which is enforcement, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Uh, number two is treatment, which everyone I know has been affected by this, uh, the opioid crisis. And with people ODing, loved ones, it, it, we have great partners here that, that we deal with all the time. 
They're phenomenal. It's Transformation Treatment Center in Delray Beach, Florida. Transformationstreatment.center. Look them up or give them a call. 888-991-9725. And the other thing you talked about is education or prevention. And lately, with this anti-police climate, not wanting police in schools, and programs like D.A.R.E. having their own knocks, uh, is, are you finding that, or did you find that difficult to implement? Uh, as far as uh, the police in the schools? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, you know, and that's, no, no, we didn't. And that's one of the wonderful things about Martinsburg is that, you know, there's a very good relationship with the community and the schools. One of the uh, initiatives we put together, it's called the Martinsburg Initiative, uh, where our officers, you know, are going directly into schools. And, you know, of course, you know, most departments have a school resource officer, and, and we had a great one in the high school. Uh, but we expanded it way beyond that. Like every elementary and intermediate school, our officers are in there um you know, on a weekly basis, uh, you know, and I made sure it was every officer in the department, you know, me included, you know, including the, the command staff, you know, going in, uh, you know, first graders all the way up to, you know, eighth grade kids, um, you know, being in those classrooms, you know, maybe helping out with homework, you know, sometimes, you know, meeting in small groups, uh, just being there to develop that personal connection with kids because uh, a lot of these kids there's a lot of bad stuff going on in these homes i mean you know terrible dysfunction criminal activity drugs and you know their attitude towards the police is going to be the same as you know if they got a you know criminal family member and we wanted to turn that around and and we've done that made thousands of these contacts you know over the last several years and you know it's that type of thing jay that really changes attitudes and, and that's you have to get these kids young and you have to make that positive connection and in martinsburg we've done that and what really is scary is that you know you know this defund movement and this all this black lives matter nonsense and going after the police uh you know you see these cities breaking these connections with the police and schools and, and that's uh you know that's a recipe for disaster I sit here and I think back of my time in policing, and I'm of the mindset that I don't think policing has changed dramatically uh, from the 1980s to today, with the exception being technology. The police on the street nowadays have more tools, better communications, body camera videos, all the things we didn't have. But the basics of talking to people and investigation and all that stuff, I don't think really has changed. But I see... I have friends that retire Baltimore police that have gone on to work at other agencies. One is a school resource officer in Delaware. Great guy. One of the best guys you could ever want to know. A great police. And their school district is talking about defunding and get rid of school resource deputies. Uh, I've talked to others where the government, not meaning police departments, but the legislatures are saying we've got to defund the police and get them out of schools they're bad influence and i'll be honest with you that really doesn't jive with what i experienced in policing well now you you hit it right on the head i mean it not only doesn't jive with what you've experienced in the past it doesn't jive with what's going on today you know in, and here's like a key you know poll number that uh, really jumped out at me recently you know 
despite, you know, all the incredible anti-police propaganda and lies that have been put down on, on, on police, 81% of the black community, you know, still wants as many or more police in their neighborhoods. You know, so, you know, all this propaganda up on the top, it's really coming from, you know, the elites. It's coming from, you know, media. It's coming from, you know, hardcore left. Uh, it doesn't reflect the way people really feel. I mean, people want the police. People want those relationships. They want safety. They want that good relationship. And, um, you know, one of the things, you know, we talked about it here when, when I became chief. It's like, you know, the national media, and we got good media in, in Martinsburg. They're, you know, very fair to us and very supportive. But nationally, you're going to get terrible stories, and you can't uh, fix that. But what you can do is impact, you know, every person you run into and make sure that every interaction is at, you know, the very highest level. And and that's the way you, you change people, you know, you know, person by person. But, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, what's happened is, and this is why, you know, so many of these things are so important on what we're fighting is that, you know, there's been, there's been a takeover, you know, by, you know, radical, you know, left-wing, hard-left, Marxists, you know, anti-police, um, you know, that's, you know, you know filtrated from the very top. Now it's reaching school districts. You can see it, you know, with uh, prosecuting attorneys, you know, where you got, uh, you, know, you know, America haters like George Soros, you know, funding all these uh, pro, you know, uh, campaigns of really anti-police prosecutors. And unfortunately, I think, you know, that that's filtered into school districts as well. Part of the blame, I was thinking about this earlier, My, as long as I can remember, police departments have been very hush-hush, and people say that we need more transparent. And you know what? I agree with them. But where I take exception is a lot of what these groups that you talked about, the, the I, I consider them anarchists, but a lot of these groups... We've given them the the platform and the opportunity because we've not told them the truth about what's been going on. We've not been telling them the truth about the heroism and going above and beyond the call of duty of our men and women in, in blue. And I know that we're different colors all across the United States. But we, we as a blue family have not been telling our stories. We've relied for too long on the news media to do that. They did a horrible job before. And now it's just a plain biased job. What's your thoughts on that? No, I, I think, you know, that's all part of the problem. I mean, you know, the reaction of a, a lot of, you know, police leadership, I think, has been uh, very lax, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes almost criminal. Uh, you know, and here's the biggest thing, you know, you know, what has fueled the violence and the hatred and the anti-police, uh, you know, just the attacks on police is this totally bogus, false myth, this lie of systemic police racism. And we're going to talk that, about that some more when we return. This is the yeah. Law Enforcement Today show. We're talking with Maury Richards, retired Chicago Police Department Lieutenant and also former Chief Police of Martinsburg, West Virginia. Catch all the episodes of Law Enforcement Today show as a podcast for free. Do a Google search for Law Enforcement Today podcast or just go to letradioshow.com click the Be Heard tab and you'll find us right there. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Countless people and their families suffer from the devastating effects of substance abuse, addiction, and or alcoholism. World-class help and assistance is available at Transformations Treatment Center. Recovery starts with a phone call. Call Transformations Treatment Center at 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or for more information, go online to transformationstreatment.center. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Maury Richards. Maury is a retired Chicago Police Department lieutenant, and also he is the former chief of police of Martinsburg, West Virginia, up until, I guess it was... Just a few months ago, uh, he retired from that position. Thank you for your service, Maury. Very much appreciated. Before we went to break, we were talking about, man, we're getting into a conversation that um, we'll go back to discussing tactics for addressing drug problems in communities in a moment. Uh, One of the things that you brought up is this myth that people have of systemic racism. And, And I hear it all the time i hear that that term and another term that draws me batty absolutely out of my mind is police brutality first of all uh, systemic racism when you look at a police department you're looking from the outside in you're not part of the department they wear a uniform they have the same clothing pretty similar appearance hair standards everything else and they can look like a homogenized group of people but they are made up of individuals and let's just say my own department 2,500 to 3,000 people each one of them has their own moral compass they have their own ideas of right and wrong you're not going to convince them to do things that violate their moral compass because they put on a uniform and, and take an oath nowhere in the oath was they're saying I'm going to violate people's rights that 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 didn't happen so I take great exception to that. Another one is police brutality. Anytime there's a use of force, it's police brutality or police violence that's become interchangeable. If that was the case, then I was then then some people called me the most brutal person I ever walked the face of the earth because I was involved in a lot of stuff. It was a high crime area, and not everybody was peaceful. As a matter of fact, the, the no brainer in this is these high crime areas. Look at all the murders. You think that the police are the problem? Where's all the other crime coming from? Uh, it's I just I go crazy with this systemic racism thing and police brutality. Your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, this you know systemic racism racism uh, claim is, is a total lie, and you know we're talking about one of the things that I believe that uh, police leadership could have done better and still can do better is that, you know, when people tell these lies and who are we talking about pushing this, we're talking about the ultra radical left, Black Lives Matter, Antifa. We're talking perpetuated, you know, by the media, you know, Hollywood elites, um, university, uh, you know, administrations. Uh, So it's a very, you know, prevalent uh, concept, but it's a total lie. So, you know, you know, here's the Reader's Digest, you know, version of, you know, what's going on there. They talk about systemic racism and all, you know, mostly focusing on, on uh, police-involved shootings of offenders. Okay, so last year, there were 1,004 fatal police shootings, okay? Now, if you looked at that media, you know, you'd say, 
wow, you know, that's a lot of black people that got killed because, you know, that's the only story you ever see. Well, the facts of the matter are only 27% of those fatalities were black Americans. 55% were white, okay? 90% of those were, in, you know, with people involved, you know, carrying a weapon. And 95%, you know, they were also uh, either attacking that officer or another person. So uh, they were all, you know, as you said, involved in violent acts, and that's how they got shot. Now, so one of the things, you know, that the left and the media put out is like, well, okay, well, 27% were black, but, you know, blacks only constitute 14% of the population. So isn't this disparity proof of this racism? The, the truth is absolutely not, because, you know, in a major study that was done, they looked at 200 counties across the country. And what was the determining factor was if people were involved in violent crime. So in a county where the majority of white people were committing crime, well, guess what? The majority of white, you know, shooting uh, uh, or suspects being shot by the police, they were going to be white. If the majority of black people are committing crime in a county, the majority of, you know, shooting uh uh, suspect, uh, suspects being shot are going to be black. But the problem with so, that, Mario, is it makes total sense. <laughs> I mean, that, I, I'm not trying to be, I'm not well, trying to be sarcastic, but it is logical, and none of this conversation that people have is based on logic or actual facts. It's based well, on, you know, I heard on the internet that so and so said to so and so, and they told me, and therefore I believe it. Well, you're absolutely right, Jay. And, you know, and as I said, you can't control what you know media who hates the police is going to say but what we can control is how we respond to it so you know where are the the other police leaders standing up and saying this is lies this is bs here's and they need to be more proactive some of the departments are 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 really getting good at uh, their own media relations division where they they will actually break down films of body cam and they'll be proactive about it uh there's other ones who are really good on social media one of the best is Bangor, Maine. Uh, their, their social media page is phenomenal and what they do and, and how they tell their stories, unbelievable. Uh, but I remember you know, being a rookie and we had a public information officer who was, he was always professional, always sharp. He was available no matter t- what time of day or night. And I could never recall him ever, ever in public eye throwing police under the bus. And that's the first thing I hear from a lot of public information officers, a lot of police chiefs, a lot of mayors, and also district attorneys. They're going after the police, and it's never the bad guy. Well, and yeah, and with, with the district attorneys, you know, as we talked about, with so many of them now being, their campaigns being funded by, you know, the radical left, you're seeing more of that. You know, but there's this one other aspect I want to talk about on these police shootings, because the uh, amount of you know unarmed uh, you know blacks being shot has always been brought up as you know proof of the systemic racism. You know, last year there were like fourteen uh, unarmed black people shot by the police. There were nineteen white people, by the way, that you know no one knows about. So this has to be put in context. You know, you know, first of all, there were approximately two hundred million contacts between police and citizens last year. And 14, you know, unarmed blacks are shot. So, you know, if you're looking at, 
you know, you know, you know, what's what's the likelihood, you know, uh, of being shot if you're an unarmed black person in this country? You're three times more likely to be struck by lightning. Okay, that's how rare it is. But if you look at the media, you'd never think that. The other thing we have, always have to remember is that just because you're unarmed, and Jay, you know this is absolutely good as me or any other copper listening uh, who's ever been in a gym and had a fight. Just because you're unarmed doesn't mean you're not a threat. I mean, you know, you look at Ferguson, Missouri, Michael Brown, you know, the so-called gentle giant, 6'5", 290, you know, you know, trying to rip a gun out of, uh, you know, uh, policeman Darren Wilson's hand and, and uh, you know, attacking him. So he was unarmed for a while, you know, until he, you know, was trying to get that gun so he could arm himself. So, you know, so once again, it's so rare that this happens, but that's not, you know, the public perception. But they use the term systemic and implicit right. and that it's system wide. And it comes from a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense, but it comes from government, which, by the way, is elected by the people that are complaining. And they set the rules and the laws, and those were elected by the people who are complaining. And uh, a great story, which when we return, I'll tell you. Uh, my career was ended by an unarmed man who tried to shoot me with my service weapon while still in my hand, causing lifelong irreparable injury. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles that is our facebook page law enforcement today radio show be sure to click like and follow this is law enforcement today show don't go anywhere we'll be right back reports indicate that 30 percent or more of our law enforcement first responders and military veterans are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and related issues the help for our heroes program at transformations treatment center offers world-class solutions got questions they've got the answers at the help for our heroes program at transformations treatment center call 888-991-9725 that's 888-991-9725 online help at helpforourheroes.com be sure to like them on facebook search for help for our heroes want to fly somewhere looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets then call that's right call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere low-cost airlines has all kinds of cheap travel deals fly domestically and save up to 75 percent you can even fly internationally and save even more yes fly anywhere in the world and save a lot of money on your plane tickets we'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels rental cars even complete travel packages so don't book your tickets until you call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on u.s and international airline tickets and hotels call right now for prices so low they can't be published travel experts are here 24 7 to help 800-451-8603 800-451-8603 That's 800-451-8603 Back to our conversation with Maury Richards, retired Chicago Police Department Lieutenant, also former Chief of Police of Martinsburg, West Virginia for winter break. Mari, we're talking about unarmed people, uh, whether they're a threat or not. And the term unarmed 
is something the media loves to throw around. Uh, I can just tell you from my own experience, I was involved in four shootings in my, my career. The first two, I never fired back because it was obvious to me at the time that the threat had ceased. The other two were different. Uh, and the last one was a car thief who was transporting a lot of crack cocaine. And while trying to arrest him, trying to reholster my, my weapon, he got a hold of it while still in my hand, and a fight ensued. And thank God it was a revolver, because it was pointed at my head while still in my hand, and we we're firing rounds off. This man was actively trying to shoot me, and I was trying to shoot him. And uh, fortunately, both of us survived. Long story short, I thought I sprained my wrist. And I wound up having three surgeries, two steel plates, destroyed the cartilage of my wrist, just been fight over the, the weapon. But that was an unarmed man who was clearly armed at some point with my weapon, and he was trying to execute me on the street. And I would have done anything at that point to survive. And, and that happens far more often than people think. Just cause They get lost in this term unarmed. And also being shot in the back, which we'll, we can talk about another day. In your experience, did you ever encounter that where people made uh, an attempt to disarm you? Uh, well, I've been in a number of physical confrontations. Uh, it never got to a, a direct you know, disarming, but um, I mean, I, I absolutely know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry you got hurt, but you know, thank God you're alive. And yeah. You thank God I didn't get shot in the face. Yourself. Yeah. It's. Um, Look, it, it could have been much worse, and uh, my days of feeling sorry for myself over that are long gone. But the other thing about this is, and I want people just to use their brain for a moment. I mean, it, I know it's asking a lot. When people are on their phone, their smartphone, they see something on Facebook, and they don't check it, or other social media, they share it right away. You got Google, Google it. Marquise Pouncey took the name of Antoine Rose Jr. off his helmet, put up a fallen officer, because he said, I looked into it. I saw the details, yeah. and I, I should have done that. Uh, and my hat's off them for doing that. People who have this idea that police in general in the United States are racist and looking for excuses to, to kill people and kill black people. I want them to do some basic numbers. There's roughly, we'll estimate, 800,000 police in the United States. If that were true, if that were true, you would have at least 400,000 people a year being shot and killed by police. And of that, 300,000 plus would be black. The truth is, those numbers are nowhere near that. They're like a thousand. Yeah. Of all races. Well, yeah, a thousand of all races. And, you know, you touched upon a really important thing here, Jay, you know, you know, these attacks on the police. We've already seen more of them. And just look at those, you know, L.A. deputies, you know, and, and that assassination attempt. Um, you, know, you know, they're shooting at, you know, officers' houses in New Jersey. It's horrible. And, you know, and what's fueling this, I mean, you know, of course, you know, a lot of it's, you know, driven, you know, you know by this uh, radical left who wants to destroy our entire country. But, you know, people feel, you know, twisted people somehow feel, you know, justified that, hey, you know, I'm going to go, you know, you know, kill a Nazi. I'm going to go, you know, you know, kill a racist. You know, and that's why it's so important, you know, to fight these lies because, as long as these lies persist, I mean, one, we're never going to make meaningful change. And, you know, everyone can agree that policing can get better. Sure. Uh, you know, but, you know, attacks are going to increase on police. This, you know, violent mob rule is going to increase. Um, and, and here's one of the biggest things that, that no one sees. 
you know the the real violence if you're talking about you know you know the tragedy of black violence is in these inner cities and that's going to increase because you know last year there were over 7400 you know black people that were homicide you know victims in this country you know how many were killed by police you know 0.2 percent yeah 93 percent were killed by other blacks you know and you know so who was you know saving the talking about black lives matter who's saving these black lives in your community it's the police you know you know i've been there you've been there you know uh anyone at nypd you know you know from uh you know 10 years like say 1991 or maybe 20 years to 2010 or 11. I mean, these homicide rates dropped incredibly, 50%, 60%. Those were black lives saved. And who did it? It was the police, you know, working with the communities, but also being uh, proactive, going after criminals, putting people, you know, where they, you know, putting dangerous criminals where they need to be, and that's behind bars, with the total support of the decent people in those communities. That's why you get Eighty-one percent of Black Americans wanting more of the same police, and they're, they're still out there. This, the, the good people are out there. They just got to start speaking up. And yeah. I, I, I'm, I understand why people are reluctant to do that on social media. I understand why people are reluctant to do that uh, because they get labeled and attacked by uh, these groups of people. And at some point, look, I'm not advocating violence what whatsoever. But at some point, if you push me far enough. I'm going to take the gloves off and say, all right, I'm not moving anymore. And you and I are well, going to have to deal with it. No, you're right. And I tell you, you know, you know, everything we've talked about today, you know, the common sense, people know that, yeah, are there a few bad police out there? Yeah, just like any other profession. And, and I'll tell you, Jay, you know, <laughs> we've both been to police for a long time. You know, and I know you'll agree, you know, who hates you know, bad cops the most, good cops. Absolutely. That's who hates bad cops, okay? And we want them gone. And yeah. we've always wanted them gone. And yeah. and again, you got to use logic. People have this mindset that, look, I'm not going to say anything because there's this thin blue wall of silence. Well, well, here's the reality. I've got a wife. i got kids. I've got health insurance. I'm not going to risk all that for some guy who is a jackhammer and does stupid things or unethical things because that's what happens. Those guys wind up getting caught first. So they don't do that. No one does it. Who's going to go to prison for someone who's doing illegal stuff? Right. I don't know of anybody that's willing to do that. Certainly not in the police world. There's so many things we didn't get to talk about that we've got to talk about in the future. Uh, One of the things I really want to discuss with you, and we unfortunately ran out of time, is what we can do as communities to go after these drug neighborhoods and how badly they impact our neighborhoods and and certain tactics we use. And unfortunately, we're about out of time. Are there some projects you're working on that you want to publicize? Well, I I tell you, uh, you know, one of the things I'm still involved with, of course, is uh, the Martinsburg Initiative, you you know, working with uh, uh, schools, kids, and and the police. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you, if we allow this country to go where the radical left wants to take it, uh, we won't have a country anymore. And you know what we see on these streets, uh, in these you know you know Democrat you know run cities, you know Portland, Seattle, New York, Chicago, uh, you, know, you know that's going to be what we're all in for. And you know I just say you know one last thing. You know 
we talk about a lot of common sense and where people are coming from and there's a silent majority out there. I agree. But that majority can't afford to be silent anymore because otherwise this country is going to turn uh, into something that we'll never want to see. It'll be a, a total disaster and we can't let that happen. One of the things you just hit on, I, I took my first trip to Ireland a couple of years ago. My, my grandparents immigrated <laughs> there. From really? There, okay. And, my, mom, my mom grew up there. And the funny thing is, that. that's a country, the Republic of Ireland is about 4.75 million people. And yeah. when I was there, they were up in arms because the year before they had like 79 homicides with almost 5 million people. Baltimore, yeah. my old department, my old city, had 330 uh, out of a population of about 660,000. Then you add in New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, other big cities, and the numbers are staggering. Uh, I, I looked at since 1980. I think it's somewhere around 15,000 people have been murdered in Baltimore alone. Uh, I, I don't have the exact numbers. It might even be higher than that. We have numbers that entire countries don't have in small cities. And if we don't support our police, man, and demand more from them and demand better and demand politicians actually back them up, we are in for a world of hurt. Maury, thanks so much for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Thanks for this opportunity, Jay. It was great talking to you. We have a new podcast. It's called True Crime Fighters Podcast. Yes, it's another true crime podcast, but a little bit different. There's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very little is told of the heroes that fight horrific crime. Whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens, we tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters podcast. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters podcast, subscribe today, or check us out on Facebook. Do a search for True Crime Fighters. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. We've got another great guest heading your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.